You're listening to the Mostly NBA Podcast. It is season two. It's episode one. We're back and better than ever. I'm Michael Higgins. I'm Matt LeVay. I'm Aiden Darmody. We got a lot to get to. Uh, we had a long, crazy off offseason. Uh, we're right on the eve of the NBA. We're going to talk about some stuff we love, some stuff we hate, get into some philosophical questions, and of course, some hot takes. This is the Mostly NBA Podcast. Alright guys, so first off, I want to welcome Aiden to the show. Aiden, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're joining the Mostly NBA team for what's going to be by far the best podcast year any podcast has ever had. Yeah, I'm excited to be a part of the group. It's my first semester here as a Florida student. My third year, I'm a transfer student from Los Angeles. Excited to get going. Yeah, I want to make a note for first-time listeners. uh, This is... uh, a podcast being run out of the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida. Um, we're going to be talking mostly NBA stuff with you, uh, other topics and sports as they come up. This is just going to be a couple of us you know, sitting down on these Tuesday nights and uh, kind of just talking about whatever comes up at the time. We're glad you're joining us. Um, we hope it is as fun to listen to as it is to sit here and just talk about. So, so yeah, welcome, Aiden. Matt, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Mike. That sound that sounds good. Uh, really solid, yeah. That I, sounded really enthusiastic. Honestly, just great right now. Yeah, I mean, an eventful off season in the NBA, right? I thought it was qu- pretty boring. I expected a little more. Yeah, not not too bad. I I'm guess. a little lost. It was a lot. It was it was a lot of <laughs> random stuff that I was like, ah, uh, like does it really matter? <laughs> like I, I, I was surprised by how bad how bad the trades were. That was that was what really surprised me about the off season. I can honestly say once the final stopped, I don't think I stopped getting alerts on my phone constantly from Bleacher Report ESPN. Like, my phone never yeah, stopped buzzing the whole day. entire offseason. But, like, it was weird. It was like, I would get a lot of things, well, especially being a Cavs fan, because, like, they fired the GM, which never should have happened, or they let him go, or he he left, or whatever it was. Bitter. With Griffin. Yeah, I'm bitter. But, um, number one, there was a lot of drama this offseason. There were a lot of players talking on social media and stuff and like sending jabs at each other and whatnot but there was also just like a lot of like rumors of oh trades that didn't happen and things that could happen in the future and will this person leave this team in the next few years like lebron it was well lebron uh westbrook sorry before he signed i don't know just like it was a weird off season. i don't know uh, honestly just unbelievable first off uh the Kyrie trade had it all i did not see that coming like just out of nowhere what were your thoughts as a Cavs fan when you get that alert that Kyrie wants out of Cleveland well oh when he wants out when you got that that's what I'm talking about that was a complete shock to me no one saw that I had no idea that was coming yeah see I wasn't shocked when he got traded because obviously there had been months of like well yeah talking back and forth as far as when it first started and you heard the rumors that he wanted out oh man I was at work it's bad when I remember where I was. Um, yeah, I was at work, and well, because the first thing I got, you know, before we knew what the reality was, that he had, you know, pretty, you know, since the playoffs, I guess he he had asked for the trade right after the finals, and he had done it very privately, and he didn't want it to come out or anything. But not knowing that at the time, all I was seeing was this this report on my phone that LeBron wanted to stop playing, or sorry, Kyrie wanted to stop playing with LeBron, and he wanted out of Cleveland. It was heartbreaking. I mean, Kyrie is, you know. He's my favorite NBA player, like, and he had been for you know the past six years or however long he was in Cleveland. And uh, I don't know, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to take, but at the same time, I wasn't totally crushed just because of how much he had already done for the city and the franchise. Um, it was obviously disappointing, but like, uh, 
I just kind of, there was nothing I could control, so I just kind of wanted to see how it played out. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, he ended up leaving because, I, you know, you wouldn't want someone really unhappy and causing a bunch of drama, I guess. So You know what I didn't like about that whole thing was that he asked for the trade after the draft. Because if he had asked for the trade before the draft, they would have been able to do something more on draft night, like get a Paul George, which that trade was apparently in talks to happen. But he made the trade request after Paul George had already been traded. Well, did you hear, was it Carmelo Anthony who came out and said that there was a... He said there was, yeah. A plan in yeah, place to send him place, and George yeah. to... Yeah, exactly. Now, if I'm the Cavs, obviously, I, I like the return of Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder in the first round pick if Isaiah Thomas well, the pick, comes back healthy. I think the pick is the whole thing. Yeah. I think Thomas, you know, coming but, back, that'll be a bonus with that but, pick. But for winning right now, having Paul George on that roster would be huge. That for me is a big improvement on what they would have on what they have now. So yeah. if Kyrie makes the trade request before draft time, before draft night, maybe the trigger gets pulled on that trade. And I think that's that true. I, 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 I don't mind him requesting a trade. That's his right as a player. It's a business, but I would have liked to have him do it at a time that it would have been more beneficial to the Cavs. It absolutely would have left you more options. If you're at the Cavs management, no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually a little bigger on something that hasn't really been talked about because it was squashed pretty quickly. I wanted Jimmy Butler so bad. Yeah, and that's that's another trade that that might have been able to happen if Kyrie had made the request before draft night. I think that absolutely would have been able to yeah, happen because by the time Kyrie made his request, Paul George had been traded and Jimmy Butler had already been traded. So those were two top options just off the table. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I never, as a Cavs fan, but even speaking. Trying to speak unbiased, I never really had much of an interest in adding Carmelo Anthony to this Cavs team, so that was kind of neither here nor there. But George, for sure, I think you're right about that. That would have been if there's anything you could add it to an already stacked Cavs team that's obviously still just behind Golden State. Paul George was pretty much the pinnacle. As for other things in the off season, I want to I want to touch in uh, touch on the end of the postseason. I want to talk about that Warriors team, talk about that you know third straight finals matchup. Just like kind of get your thoughts on it. Like I see, I'm I feel like I'm in that. Like I'm a Cavs fan, so I don't I can't say anything. So I'm biased. For fans of other teams, as you guys are, you know, does that fit with the narrative of oh the NBA is ruined or it's not exciting anymore or was that exciting for the game because it was like you know, out of a bunch of mediocrity come these two giants for a third straight time, you know, one each each had one. Obviously we ended up seeing that Golden State, you know, pretty much destroyed, but what was that matchup like for fans of teams that weren't in it? Honestly, for me at least, it was a little bit of a letdown in a sense of when we finally got to it. It was supposed to be obviously just the, the matchup of the century. Once again, you have these two giants, and we had to sit through a really, really crappy NBA playoffs, just blowout after blowout. What did the Cavs go before they got to the finals? Uh, was it 12 and 1? Yeah, 12 and 1, exactly. And then the Warriors, you know, undefeated until they got to the finals as well. Um, just a, a really watered down NBA playoffs. And, and that's what the fans were hoping for, was to, not hoping for the watered down in a sense, but um, we sacrificed and waited through those crappy matchups and those crappy games to get to this point and see these two teams battle it out. And um, it was a disappointment. I expected more from the Cavs, but the Warriors just showed that they're just head and shoulders above everyone else. 
Yeah, it, it was a disappointment, but I love how teams reacted to the Golden State Warriors' dominance. You know, teams like the Rockets, the Timberwolves, OKC, they, they didn't just admit defeat going into this offseason. They made a very direct decision to try and get better by adding Jimmy Butler, Adam, adding Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, adding CP3. All of those teams made very very direct takes on where they're going to go and they're going to try and challenge the Warriors this offseason which I, this season which I'm actually really looking forward to. Well, what I think is different coming into this season as opposed to coming into the, you know, the last few seasons, you know, you take a look at the offseason before the Warriors won that first championship in 2015, nobody saw Golden State coming out of the West. That was, you know, the first year of LeBron in Cleveland. Nobody knew what was going to happen with that. Everybody was, you know, looking at this insane Spurs team that had just won. So there's one offseason of not preparing for Golden State. Golden State wins coming into the next season. It's kind of, you know, there's still five, six teams that could win it. Obviously, then Golden State goes on to win 73 wins, and then they become, you know, the legend that they are now. I feel like this is the first offseason where people have really been going into the next season thinking there's the Warriors and there's everybody else, so how do we close the gap? Because, you know, in the last offseason, you know, the Cavs had just beaten that team, which, you know, before adding Kevin Durant, they were arguably, I, I still think they were better than that Cavs team that won. I, I'll never be able to explain that. But, um, you know, th- then you add Kevin Durant, it's just ridiculous. But this is the first offseason where teams have really had a chance to look at that team as it is and think, okay, obviously there's this one team that everyone is chasing as opposed to a top tier of teams, and it's how all the rest of those teams are gearing up to try to challenge that one team in the end. And it's, I think it's something that I've definitely never seen before, and I don't think um, the league has ever seen before. I, I would disagree. I think it's a pretty common – I think basketball is really dominated by by stars historically. And, I mean, just with Michael Jordan's run with the Bulls, or you could take the the Lakers in the early 2000s, or even the the Heat team when when Dwayne Wade and LeBron got together. You know, teams were designing themselves to beat those teams. It wasn't just how can we beat the other teams in the NBA. It was really about how can we beat that one team. And I feel like that that's happening again, and it's kind of cyclical. I don't think we've ever seen a team this dominant. I was though. gonna say, yeah. W- would you agree that this is likely the best team that has ever? touched a basketball court i mean i think that's kind of impossible to say because you can never jump the generational gap of of sports but but you can look at the efficiency in which they've won in the last few years and that that is pretty much unmatched yeah absolutely i mean they're definitely without question up there but i mean it's it's really tough to say like how would they match up with the physicality of Shaq and those early lakers teams in the early 2000s they don't have anyone who could Shaq would be scoring 50 points a game against this team or would Shaq be taken off the court completely you know it's kind of it's it's impossible to compare those two teams because they're so so different and that's I think another thing that makes it interesting is you're right you have to look at them in their eras and in this era what are teams adding they're adding threes that there are no positions anymore yeah and because I think a lot of it is because of this offense that Kerr turned into just a whole team of just weapons on both sides that you can't leave anybody. There are huge matchup issues. Like there aren't positions anymore. And I, I don't think that's ever happened. Maybe that's the difference. And, and we've talked, you know, you just touched on that with the differences of era, you know, what, what would Shaq, would Shaq be a non-factor, you know, a big guy 
Or would he dominate? Or would he dominate? And that's the thing. But it, it, it kind of, you know, speaking of big men, like goes back to last year when we were like, uh-oh, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony <laughs> Davis on the same team. Does that create problems for the Warriors if that's a 1-8 matchup? And we didn't get to see that, but I don't think it would because they would be so outmatched on the other end of the floor. So I think Anthony Davis is kind of the epitome of a modern-day center. You know, he can take the ball up, he can shoot threes, he's what you want in your center. But DeMarcus Cousins wouldn't wouldn't be able to play in that series. And that's a series that we still might even be able to see this coming year because I think the Pelicans are still in that kind of 7 to 10 range in the West, maybe even a little bit lower depending on if they get their act together. But I don't think DeMarcus Cousins has the mobility to play against this team. Well, here's something that's interesting. Does Carl Anthony Towns have that? mobility if minnesota gets in as that eight seed i think so i mean i think he's still early i think him and andrew wiggins really for this team to become uh, for the timberwolves to become a competitor they both have to take a step up you know andrew wiggins is going into what his fourth year and towns going into his third year yes yeah so i think it's kind of both time for them to become more dominant players and obviously they're very good players but i think they each need to take that next step and with jimmy butler coming in and they could be a, a four or five seed in the west potentially if everything comes together maybe four seed might be too optimistic so it's questions like that that have made the offseason interesting just because it, it does at least seem new um even if it you know it's new in a bad way for some people that oh the the new normal is trying to stop the Golden State Warriors but I think it's interesting to talk about it brings up interesting topics um I think that was the story of the offseason I think all that free agency that all goes back to uh you know what pieces are you adding to be able to compete if that series ends up happening for your team and uh that certainly is worth watching and I think I think you know I've talked about this with Matt before and I've seen other people talk about this it makes this offseason leading into this season very exciting because it seems that the NBA has changed and adapted to at least the thought of Golden State, and now I'm interested in seeing what happens because these teams are changing not only roster-wise but how they're playing and definitely with you know the whole looking towards the future. And now we're talking about changing the draft you know, to stop rewarding tanking because, you know, with the Warriors around, why wouldn't everybody else just tank? So I think it it's an interesting era for the NBA, and it's it's going to be definitely worth watching the regular season this year because I think, uh, you know, I think it is, it is going to change how the regular season plays out, and it's not just a waiting game to the playoffs, you know, like it was last year to see, okay, you know, the big team in the East, the big team in the West are going to come out of it because now people are gearing up to try to be that next big team I think so I think that there's somewhat more incentive now all, all these teams are you know seeing just how much they can move and change to see if they can put themselves in that position um, to match up with Golden State I'm not going to say even oh match up with the best team no it's to match up with Golden State and uh, I don't know does any of that make sense yeah okay. yeah no I, I, I agree I think it's now I think it's it's everyone is gearing up to match up against Golden State it's not at all about matching up against anyone else in the league. Every single team that is going to try and compete for a championship has to just look directly at Golden State and say, how can we beat them? How can we match up against them? And because I also think it's not something where, you know, 
you're hoping Golden State loses. They're not going to lose. They're going to be there in the finals. And I, I think you're you're right in saying that. You know, they're all looking at that matchup in the end because it doesn't matter who else you play because that's not going to be the last team you play. Uh, if you make it to the finals, the last team you play will be Golden State. If you're in the West and you want to advance, you're going to have to go through Golden State. So that's what I think changes uh, this offseason, um, the acquisitions, the drafting, and you know, when it comes to it, the look of these teams this coming season. So like I said, looking at the West, you know, these teams in the playoffs, you're going to you're going to get hit with Golden State at some point. There's not going to be some fluke where they get swept by a 4 seed. They're going to be in the conference final. So who's going to be that team that comes up behind them? And you look at Houston, you look at San Antonio, you look at Oklahoma City now. It's these teams that, maybe not so much San Antonio, but Houston and Oklahoma City for sure have been gearing up this offseason for that exact matchup. And I think they, I don't know, what do you think? I, I, I think both of those teams certainly did a lot to change themselves, but I don't know. I don't which way it goes. I'm not I'm not a big fan of what Houston did in the offseason. I think there's I think they're the fourth best team in the West. I think San Antonio is a better team than them and I think oh. OKC is a better team than them. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our first hot take hot of the take. season. <laughs> I I I mean I obviously I love CP3. I think he's a great player, but him and James Harden are both point guards now. Like yeah, James Harden started his career as a shooting guard, but he was a point guard for that team last year. CP3 slows the team down. He's not a dominant scorer. That he's never been that. He's a facilitator. And James Harden thrived as being the main ball handler. So I don't I don't see how they improve. They didn't improve defensively. They have no one on their team who can guard a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or a Kevin Durant, who are the best players on those teams. They don't have anyone who can guard Russell Westbrook. They don't have anyone who can guard Stephen Curry. I don't see how they compete defensively in any way, shape, or form with any with San Antonio, OKC, or the Warriors. And offensively, I think they might be a little worse than they were offensively last year because CP3 is going to slow them down. I don't see the fit in that offense. So moving into our first segment, which we're going to call love-hate, Aiden, give me in a word— I, obviously, you hate the Rockets. Yes. The Rockets are our first topic of love-hate. I mean, hate is a strong... Like, obviously, I think they're still the fourth... Like, you definitely team, don't love them. But, yeah, I think out of what the expectation of that team is, I hate them. That's fair. Matt, Houston Rockets, do you love them or hate them? I like them better than last year. I get the point that you're talking about earlier, Aiden. I, I do think, though, that when it comes to at least... I don't think they stand a chance when it comes to matching up against OKC or Golden State. Those both have too much firepower. But when it comes to defending, you know, a team like San Antonio, I mean, honestly, if we're, I mean, if we're just talking, I feel like San Antonio, the only threat they have is Kawhi. I mean, you can throw a bunch of guys at him, mix it up, and try to slow him down. I mean, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to. Who, who are you going to throw at me? LaMarcus Aldridge? Hey, he's still a valuable asset on that team. They also have Pau Gasol, who aren't very good defensive players, but they can still score. You guys are leaving out the biggest weapon on San Antonio, and that's Greg Popovich. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I think, I mean, San Antonio, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't get injured, 
in the playoffs last year, San Antonio was giving Golden State a good challenge in that first game. They win game one for sure. Yeah, they win game one if Kawhi Leonard stays Which happy. is a big statement. That's not, you know, yeah, oh, in, they win game one. No, that's in big. Golden State. They to start the series they that way? They steal a game from Golden State if Kawhi Leonard stays happy. I think people are overlooking the Spurs because they didn't do anything flashy. And I do think OKC has a better chance of dismantling the Warriors. But I think people are too quick to just hop over the Spurs with this Rockets team and just think that they don't have a chance and there'll be a second round exit to the Warriors again like last like I think that they have a very they still have Kawhi Leonard who's the best two-way player in the NBA and they have Greg Popovich who's the best coach of my lifetime so I I think I think people are too quick to jump over the Spurs I still wouldn't necessarily jump over them they're obviously in the top tier of the Western Conference I mean they're a top four team but still I I just once again, I'd still put them at that four spot. I just, I think, still age is going to continue to catch up with them. Aldridge, Pau Gasol, they're not getting any younger. And honestly, just to me, still Kawhi is the only true threat that you have to worry about when it comes to playoff time. To me, so they, yeah, they need something. I wish they could have added someone. Oh, well, they, added, they added Rudy Gay. Come on now. That's true. You're right. Come You're right. Let's go now. ahead and let's Golden State go ahead and secede. All right. Wherever Rudy Gay goes, that team does not do well. I'm sorry. I, but I, he's I, never played for Pop before. That's I, true. I think. I mean, Rudy Gay. If you guys remember earlier on in his career, people thought he could be a potentially top five, top ten player. In but the look NBA. what happened. He got traded from Memphis. And Memphis got better. And I never would have thought that. I loved that Memphis team. And Rudy Gay was one of my favorite players. He leaves and they finally get to do what they wanted to do, which was slow the game down and grind. And they got all the way to the Western Conference Finals that way. I feel like whatever team Rudy Gay gets to, he he becomes a piece that I don't know if you can fully use. I feel like the team around him would need to match perfectly because I don't know how you can use him to his maximum efficiency. And, and again, that's where Pop comes in. If anyone's going to figure that out, it's Pop. I mean, to be fair to Rudy Gay, he ended up in Sacramento. No one, That's where careers go to die. No one's going to do well in Sacramento. He went somewhere before Sacramento, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I forget where, though. Um, From the Grizzlies. He went to, I can think of it. Hold wasn't on. it Toronto? Yes, it was. It was Toronto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that team wasn't very good. I saw that Toronto team play at Minnesota in Target Center, by the way. Just fun fact, throwing that out there. Did Rudy Gay drop 40? Rudy Gay did not. I think he scored maybe 10 points that game. Okay. Um, but to get sort of back on track, I think I, I agree. I was going to bring up, when I first heard the rumor that Kyrie Irving might be traded to the Spurs, I thought that... That, that would have been that, huge. That's something I would have really wanted to see. Oh, yeah. Because... The Spurs have been old forever, and you know they get Kawhi, but Kawhi is an old soul. So I, you know, I'd like to see something like that, something crazy that the Spurs wouldn't necessarily do. Like Pau Gasol, even you know Lamarcus Aldridge, those were moves that you could definitely just the personalities fit with that Spurs team. You know, what if they did get someone flashy like that? Would that totally ruin it? Like I, I have no idea. But I think them staying put isn't necessarily a bad thing because yes, they are old, but they've. They've been old for 15 years. Yeah, they've like. been old since Pop got there. So, uh, back to the Rockets, though. I think, Aiden, you hit it on the head when you said people forget that James Harden was the point guard. He was named the point guard before last season. I think, you know, Chris Paul isn't the solution there. They didn't need a guard. That's not what they're looking for. You're right. They, they don't have a three. I mean, so I don't know exactly. I, the Rockets are a really good team. I was really high on them last year. I wanted James Harden to win the MVP. That was my hot take all season, even though it wasn't really a hot take. But I, 
I loved that team last year because they weren't the lazy Rockets team of before with, you know, Dwight Howard and James Harden was just absolutely becoming a monster. And just they they really surprised me last year. I think they're going to do the opposite this year. I think they're going to really underwhelm a lot of people. And I think you're right. It's because the addition they made wasn't the position they needed. Okay, I've got one for you guys. My love hate goes a little bit off the court. It's on the court, but it's not in the uh, talent of the teams. It's the uniforms. We have Nike now making all NBA uniforms. They did quite a few changes to a lot of them. Um, Some looks completely revamped. Some sort of just, you know, modernized, uh, you know, from the last few years. But overall, you know, the biggest thing you see is the Nike logo on the jersey and the other logo on the other side of the jersey. A lot of ads on these jerseys. Um, what do you guys think of the new Nike jerseys? What do you guys think of the ads? Uh, I don't know, just, I guess, general opinion. <laughs> I mean, personally, I don't have a problem with them. I, I really like the Switch. Honestly, I think they look pretty darn sweet, to be honest. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the ads either. Um, I don't know if that's just the business side of me as well, but still, uh, I think it, I think it's good, and I think, I mean, they look fresh to me. They're swagging out this season. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't mind them. And I'm I don't mind the ads either. They're not that intrusive. It's another way for the league to make income, which also which goes back to the players and the owners, and it, it allows them to make other decisions going forward. So I, I really don't mind it. And I'm a fan of the jerseys. I think they there weren't any major drastic changes that I saw that I was up in arms about. So I, I, I like them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same boat. I think the ads, th- that was a long time coming. I'm actually surprised that it took this long. I think Nike has a fresh way about them with uniforms in general. So, yeah. And, and definitely, to go back to you to what Aiden said, it's not you know an intrusive ad. It's just a small little patch as well. And maybe if it was a little bit bigger and you have it running across the back or something or in the front like it's a soccer jersey. But, I mean, just a little patch. Come on. Not much. So our next love-hate, guys. This has probably been, well, I don't want to say the biggest topic of the offseason, because it obviously wasn't, but it certainly has uh, been stirring the pot this offseason. So, love, hate, LeVar Ball. Oh, man. You want, you want to take it, Dave? Dun, dun, uh, no, dun. you go for it. I don't, I want, I don't want to touch LeVar Ball. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Oh, man. <laughs> um, love or hate LeVar Ball? I definitely don't love him. He's annoying as hell. Uh <laughs> But I think that's what he's going for. I think he's doing a really good job with exactly the image he's trying to put out there. I think some of the things he has said, he's gone too far for sure, but he doesn't care that he's going too far. He's doing it for the attention, and it's somehow working. I mean, I, I work with kids. Every kid that I know who likes basketball already knows who Lonzo Ball is. That's something, I think, and it's because he's always making headlines, I guess. His dad is making headlines. He's putting his son's names out there and that puts so much pressure on the kids i don't like that he's doing that i don't like that he's calling other people's families into it you know saying that you know his kids are better set up than lebron james's kids in the future like things like that he makes a lot of statements like that but i don't know he's he's been successful i mean people know that brand i think he's the, the he's shoes the, are doing all right aren't i mean they? he's the nba kardashian that's honestly that's what they are they're the nba's and there wasn't one before so he's i mean he's except for the when the kardashians tried to infiltrate the nba 
Aren't they still? They uh, still kind of are. No, no she's I, with Tristan. Isn't Tristan Thompson? Tristan's oh, yeah. They're having yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. Wait, which one is it, though? It's Chloe. I always, it's it is Chloe, Chloe. Yeah. Okay. I always get them confused. Besides Kim. I can consistently count on Kim, <laughs> but the others, you got me. I mean, for me with LeVar, LeVar Ball, being from L.A., um, I mean, I think I get what he's trying to do. I agree with, with pretty much everything you said. I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to set up his kid's brand. But, uh, I mean, obviously, the guy's a jerk as well. Uh, I don't think you can really argue that. And I, it, it's tricky because he is setting up their brand, but at a point, where do you draw the line of trying to establish a brand and be successful and then also your own kind of morality and your own principles into it? it it's it's He's very... He's really straddling the line of, of what is acceptable and, and just trying to run his own business. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say I hate LeVar Ball, but I think he wants me to hate LeVar Ball. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't agree. I, I think there's two ways to look at it, you know, whether you like or hate him. I don't think he really cares about that. I think he's successful in what he does, no matter if you love him or hate him. But I'm, I'm just going to go on record as saying I hate him. <laughs> Okay, on to our next segment. I'm going to do our philosophical question of the week. And guys, this is one that I've I've been thinking about in the last few years. Being from Cleveland, being a Cavs fan, I want you guys to picture yourself in a situation. It's the night of a game six, and your team is up 3-2. And you're in the downtown. Everybody's excited because you haven't been to a championship in a little bit. When's the last time he went to the championship? 2014. So let's say it's 2017, or 2018, I guess. And the Heat are up 3-2 in the conference finals. And you're, you guys are in Miami that night. Everyone's really pumped up for their city. The Heat go on to win the game. The team shop opens at midnight, and there are the there are the conference championship T-shirts. Do you get one? Do you get one because you're high and happy in the moment, and you would buy anything about the Heat winning because they're successful in that moment. The season's not over, but they are successful. They get swept in the finals. Are you going to wear it? Are you glad you bought it? Like, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you guys get the conference championship I, shirt? No. I, I For me, I mean, honestly, I might not even buy a championship shirt, but that's just kind of the kind of guy I am. So I definitely would not buy a conference championship. Like, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, we got second place. Let's get a shirt. I, I, the point is that it is an accomplishment. So I mean, yeah, but is it, though? I, yeah, I, I think get it is. It. I mean... I think I, I think if you're a team really? that was so expecting if, to get if, swept, then it's like you that's think, your championship. I mean, if the, say the Warriors had lost, they go twelve and zero in the playoffs, and then say they get swept by the Cavs. Does anyone care about the fact that the Warriors went twelve and zero up to that point and won the conference? No. So you think it just depends on the situation for the team? I think unless it's a team that was like an if a team's like an eight seed and they go and they win the conference and they make it to the finals. And then they get swept in the finals. Absolutely, buy that shirt because they are an eight seed. When you're the Cavaliers and you've been to two straight finals and you have LeBron James on your team and you go to a third, sh- LeBron's been to what now seven straight finals. Like you, it, not making the finals is a is a failure. So I feel like making the finals is expected, and then winning the finals is is a success. So, I mean, from your point of view as a Cavs fan, when you're going through this dilemma, I personally, I I mean, you did what was expected of you. It's like, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. 
about you, Matt? I, I personally wouldn't necessarily purchase it, like you said, unless it's a team that hasn't been there in forever. It just somehow makes this miraculous surge during the playoffs and, and is able to make it to the finals. But, I mean, other than that, if you're a Cavs fan or someone who's consistently dominant like that, um, it's expected for you. So, no, I, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, just like when the Heat when the Heat had LeBron and they made and they made the finals, I, I was like, great, okay, now let's win the thing. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't a big moment for me. Like, yeah, I was happy for a night, but it wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's party. It was like, oh, great. Okay. Now let's, yeah. we have to win now. Yeah, that's been my same thing. It's been like, I don't want this shirt unless we're winning it because I, I want to remember a season which we won. If we didn't win, I know we didn't win. I don't need a shirt to remind me of that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the same boat. But the, the reason that I asked is because I was in Cleveland this past summer, uh, the night of the night that we beat the Celtics to go to the finals and the team shop opened up the next morning and there were just lines out the door of people trying to get the Eastern conference championship t-shirt. And I'm like, we, we just came off a championship. <laughs> Why are people getting this shirt? Yeah. Like by the, literally the championship shirts were on sale. <laughs> it's like, I just, that was something that, you know, it's, it made me think, I don't know. It made me wonder if it was different for different teams or if it's gotta be a miraculous run. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, really... I, I personally don't think there is, I don't think you ever buy that shirt. Yeah. I, I don't think you ever, I think the only scenario you buy that shirt is if, your team hasn't been there in forever or you were like a seven or an eight. I think those are the only circumstances where I would even consider buying a conference championship. Where that team sure. was never supposed to be there in the first place and they're never getting back. And exactly. it's just like, yeah, like, that was, like that was fun. the heat team of this past year, they started 11 and 30. If they had, if they had made the finals and gotten swept, I, I, I'd, I'd, buy pro that. I'd probably buy that shirt. That's even though point. traditionally I'm not really a shirt buyer for like teams, but I would, I'd buy that shirt. All right, that was our philosophical question of the week. Um, okay, so guys, on the eve of the NBA season starting, uh, we're going to do a little bit of what to watch for. I think it's pretty obvious the two big games tomorrow. But just for the first month or so of the season, what what are you looking for? Well, for me personally, my eyes are fixed on the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is just the thing that I've been most looking forward to to this NBA season is to see how those pieces fit together. And I know we've talked about this a lot. Um, just to see how it kind of unravels and see who's going to take that shot in certain situations down the road and, and just see how those guys gel together. That's what I'm most intrigued about heading into this season. Well, all right. Since Matt saw my thing, uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with I'm, – I'm really interested to see how the Celtics do this year. You know, obviously I think they, they drastically improved offensively, but they lost their two best defensive players that kind of defined – who they were under Brad Stevens with with Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley being traded, and then they lost their best offensive player in Isaiah Thomas. And people forget, Isaiah Thomas played better than Kyrie Irving did last year. So it, is the offense of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward enough to surpass what they lost defensively in Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley? Uh, Mine? For the third straight season, my what to watch is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, people, I think, got too excited about them too early. But now it's it's starting to, you know, you're looking at them as a team that should start emerging. I mean, you touched on it, Aiden. You said Wiggins is in his fourth year, Towns in his third year. Things, things I think, should be happening by now. You know, you've got, you know, Thibodeau's been running it for several years now. You just add Jimmy Butler to this team. That's a team that, there are now expectations. It's not, oh, this is a fun, exciting team. Let's see what they can do. People are expecting them to be in the playoffs. And 
to be one of the more exciting teams. They're I, very young. I I really agree. I think uh, I think anything less than the five seed should be kind of considered a failure for them. I mean, outside of obvious, that's a hot take. I'm just saying. I mean, okay, maybe six seed. Right? I if you go over the teams in the West, right? Obviously. Warriors, OKC, Spurs, Rockets. Obviously, those are the top four. No one's going to argue that. No one's talking about Portland or Denver. I don't know. Yeah, so, so then after that, then you have Portland, who Minnesota should be better than Portland, and Denver, who I think they should be better than Denver also. And those those are the next three teams. I I, I feel like the Timberwolves may be six seed. If they're less than the six seed, I think that that should be looked at as a failure for them this season. I I really think so. If I could cut in there, um, as a guy who has family filled in Minnesota and is stuck with that team for years, uh, they're just hoping to get to the playoffs. If I could be completely, I mean, even with this new structure, I had a lot of discussion about this with family and friends up north this summer, and they particularly um, are just thrilled if they make it into the playoffs right now. That that's their main focus. Honestly, they know they're not a serious threat to San Antonio, Houston, Golden State. They're not going to pose that threat or dominate that way, but they're most looking forward to finally being back in the playoffs after years since the KG era, essentially. Yeah, and I, I get that as a fan base. I totally do. But I'm just saying, as on paper, the talent that they have on their roster, just as an organization and the players within that organization, they should be looking at the other teams and saying, there's no way that there's five other teams in this conference better than us. That's, I mean, I'm just Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler have to have that mentality, and that should be their expectation, at think, least at the minimum. I think the team changed. I, I think, I think maybe the city is looking at it, and, and they, the city itself would disagree with Aiden. They would say, no, if we get in the playoffs, that's great. We haven't been there in forever. But I think you're right, Aiden. I think when they add Jimmy Butler, you add someone who's been there, and now it's like, well, wow, look at this. You know, we've got. We've got a veteran now. We've got the young talent. The we put it together. We've got the NBA. exactly. We we've got the talent, young. We've got the experience, old. Yeah. <laughs> we've got the coach. There's nothing that, you know, they need to add to begin, be you know to to become a perennial playoff team. I so I think even if they hadn't added Jimmy Butler, their expectation still should have been a playoff team with Carl Anthony Towns going into his third year, and. And Andrew Wiggins going into his fourth year. Those guys were were number one overall picks. They're expected to be dominant players at this point in time. I I would think at least the eight seed should have been the expectation without Jimmy Butler on that team. With Jimmy Butler, you have to be expecting a five or six seed. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that should be the result that that organization is looking for. I think that's where I will disagree, though. I think it's good to look at, you know, we've got all these pieces we should be in the playoffs, but I don't think it's good to necessarily put a seed number on it because I think, okay, this is how you look at it. You've got Jimmy Butler. You've got all those pieces. You go out and you try to win as many games as you can, and then you do what you can. I don't think it's necessarily a failure if you don't get there because you don't want to get there as the seventh seed and be like, well, now we're just going to lose to the two. This season was a failure. I think I think at that point, it's like you, you then would build on that. I think if you don't have playoff experience beforehand, you can't really be expecting a certain seed. Maybe the next season, you know, if they were an eight this year, I think you can come in the next season and yeah, think, well, let's be a That's kind of what I'm rattling off earlier, too. I mean, I'm not expecting them to, to get into the playoffs and do well in the playoffs due to their inexperience, but, I mean, I would expect them to get I, I they should get fifty plus wins this year. And, right. and so, so you're you're looking at 
Speci- like I'm looking. You're spe- putting them next to the specific teams in the West. Yeah, I'm I'm lining them up team to team, and they should be saying to themselves, "We are better than this team." Okay. Would you put them over Portland? Absolutely. Over I'd, two experienced guys. That Portland's the seventh best succeeded. team. Portland's the seventh best team in would the you, West. So I, you would put Denver over Portland. I'd put Denver over Portland. That's fair, but I still don't know if I'd, I. I mean, in a playoff scenario, and it is still a team to team matchup. I get the personnel there, but I would, I'd still I mean, take a Portland over Minnesota. I mean, Portland only had forty-one wins last year. They haven't improved that much. The, they only beat the Nuggets by a game, and the need. Nuggets and the Nuggets added Paul Millsap, and Jokic is going to get better. No doubt, no doubt. So I, I think the Nuggets are definitely better than them. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually shocked the Nuggets didn't make the playoffs last year. But real quick, Portland so badly they need one more they need one more person they they're need missing, that three they're missing a wing player yeah they don't they don't have a dominant a, a two-way wing player Because they add someone over the offseason like paul george or jimmy butler and i am i'm wearing a portland trailblazers jersey right now yeah, they'd be <laughs> right? they'd be i would be they'd expecting be great things from them this year but they, probably better than uh, i'm gonna go out and say i would expect better from them than i would than i do okc right now no way. Yeah. No, I yeah. think I think uh, okay, we'll talk about OKC a little bit later. But I mean just just back to the playoffs. I mean I I think the Timberwolves they were 10 wins behind the Trailblazers last year. I think Jimmy Butler and then the added experience of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns absolutely pushes them over the Trailblazers and the Nuggets. And then the Jazz are going to fall off without Gordon Hayward. I How's, think that's so sad. I mean, I think they still still compete for the eight seed, but I think realistically you're looking at the top four, and then there's a second tier of three teams between the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, and the Timberwolves. And then I think then there's a bunch of teams that will compete for an eight seed in the Grizzlies, the Jazz, the Lakers, maybe? the Pelicans, maybe the Lakers. I don't, I don't know. I like, I like to touch on that in this season, at least in the beginning of the season. That's gonna be interesting. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, having said that, we're going to do something that we've never done before. And we, we didn't even really talk about this before. So (laughs) as I'm telling the people listening to this, I'm also telling Matt and Aiden who are listening to me right now, this is coming out of my mouth for the first time. We're going to try to rank and agree. (laughs) Oh, we're We're, never going to agree. We're going to argue our way into a consensus top five teams in the NBA. That's what we're going to do. And eventually, you know, week by week, we'll do this. This will be, a, you know, ever-changing power rankings. But I think this first one is going to be an important one. So I'm going to let, let me let me turn this page over here. Okay. Let's see if we can do it. I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's put in, start pu- simple. Let's put in easy. Warriors one, right, Matt? I'd say Cavs two. Well, that, I think that's gonna, where it changes. I don't no. know. I, Give me a second. Come on now. The Cavs are a very different Come team. On Lots now. of new pieces. I don't know yet if I would put them at number two in the NBA. So what I think we should do, I'm going to Sharpie in one next to the Warriors. I think we get the other four teams and then we rank. So yes. All right. As long as everyone's okay. on board. Yeah. yeah Cavs I'm are a top five team. Cavs are a top five team. Do you go? I think that, I, I honestly, I think the top five is pretty simple. I think OKC, Rockets and Spurs. I mean, you could argue Boston would be that sixth team. We could write them down and then go make the top five from there. But I see those first five teams as better than Boston. That's the five I'd have in. Yeah. I I think Boston, I, like, I, I don't think you can drastically say 
I don't think Boston's there. Do you put... So here's an interesting question. How close do you put Washington? No. No? No. I mean, they're just in a totally different... They're, they're a, a fourth quarter away from conference finals last year. They're just a totally in a different tier Okay. than, than the rest of those teams. To be fair, we haven't seen Boston yet. And Washington yeah, and, builds and, on experience. And that's why I don't think Boston should be considered in the top five, even though they did have the best record in the East last year. I'm hesitant. To what? I'm hesitant about, I think, San Antonio, but... I, well, San Antonio had I'm 61 also hesitant about Houston. I'm not sure. There's a lot going on. I, I But I, here's the, what... The I, one team that I would argue is... OKC. I, I, I'm not putting OKC in my top five. That 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 is me... And we're gonna get to that later. I know. I know we're, we're, we're so close <laughs> yeah. to exploding on talking about OKC. What do you think, Matt? I mean, like, w- what team out of those doesn't fit for you? Out of that list right there, I think he said that would be no. His that's top that's five. my five. That uh, no so, doubt. So, so without without Boston. Oh without no, Boston. but I I would put Boston out of there. No. Okay. I, how do you see? Who I do could, you think is better than OK? You think Boston or the or you would put Boston over OKC or the Wizards Mike? are better? No, 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 not the Wizards. Who? I think, think the Raptors? No, 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 no. G- give me a second. I think I like Boston on there better than I like possibly Houston or OKC. I would take Houston would for me. Houston's my fifth team on there. Okay. So I I I will. I mean, I think that they deserve to be the fifth team. I was gonna say I'll go with the with the experience of Chris Paul and James Harden over. You know, sort of a project in Gordon Hayward on that. Yeah, Celtics I think team. it's going to take a f- couple of months for Boston to understand what their identity is, and for Gordon Hayward and uh, Kyrie Irving to figure out the kinks of the offense. Yeah, I'll, I'll blush. I'm, I'm going to cross off Boston. So this, this is interesting. Then, so you, so we have the top have five teams of the Warriors, Cavs, OKC, Houston, Rockets, San and Spurs. So. You you guys both go with Cleveland as a two? I I I mean, they, LeBron's been to seven straight finals. The Cavs have been to three straight finals with LeBron on that team. Until LeBron doesn't go to the finals, you can't say he's not going to. I would have to put him at the two. I guess, but he's not going up against anyone. Like, there's not another That's Eastern not Conference true. team in that. There right is no. There is. There's Boston. You put Boston in the five? No, but still, no, Boston. but Boston's in there. I'm oh, not sure, but in I mean, general, still you're talking Boston. about the second best team in the whole entire league. You yeah. would put Cleveland there. Yeah. I don't know if I'm still just ready to say that yet. Okay, well then look at it this way: everyone we have on there is in the West except for the yeah. Cavs. Yeah. If the Cavs were in the West, do you think they're the second seed? Yes. Actually, I don't, know, I don't know if I would I, say but that. I think second seed is different than second best team because LeBron doesn't. LeBron, LeBron record. LeBron's been to seven straight finals and he's been playing on the national team during all of that time. He hasn't had a break in ten years, so LeBron doesn't try for the first three quarters of the regular season. So I don't know if they'd be the second seed, but I still expect them to make the Western Conference Finals. That's true. People don't take the Cavs seriously until the playoffs because they don't take themselves seriously until the playoffs. Exactly. So I think that's a really good point, actually. I think that. So, I mean, if we're going by expected end of regular season record. I think there are a couple teams in the West better than the Cavs. Yeah, but by regular season record, sure. But by the teams that if we had them play each other in a seven-game series in the playoffs, I don't see the Cavs losing to anyone, but that's fair. State. Okay, so Aiden seems pretty sure about this. Matt, here's what the question I'll pose to you: 
if you put the Cavs in a playoff series playing full strength against OKC, Houston, and San Antonio, do they win all three of those series? I just, once again, right now, going off the top of my head, I would have to put Cleveland there just because we don't know what those other teams are. I agree. Now, I'm just in a couple weeks, it could be a different story, and I could tell you something else, but I got to wait and see more before I can officially put someone beating the Cavs. So we'll go ahead and put Cleveland number two. Three, I'm... I think we're gonna uh, we're not gonna agree on the next. Yeah, three. I don't think we are. There's uh, having a consensus top five is not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> that that's what's fun though. I think I think it's gonna be interesting to see how this changes once we actually get a look at these teams. I mean, should should we each just say who we think is the third? Who do you think is the third? For me, I think it's OKC, Oklahoma City, no doubt. And I you didn't even want to put OKC in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I just think it, it, it's difficult once you get to the three because I, I think this is a different tier of team now. Oklahoma City is a very new team. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll get it right away. I think it's going to be a little bit, but I think they have the potential. That we'll, I mean, we'll get to what I think their potential is later, but I, I think they have the potential to really go somewhere if they if they can click and, they, and get it together. It, they also, I wouldn't be surprised if everything goes horrible and they're somehow like a seven seed. That wouldn't show, like I'd be like wow, but that wouldn't be the craziest thing to me. But I think they have the potential to be a, an incredible team. Of those last three remaining teams that we have in the top five, Houston, San Antonio, and Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, to me, I think we could all agree at least has the highest ceiling, ceiling. out of those. Yeah, three. that's what I'll say. Yeah. Is Houston has a Houston. There's, there's a strong doubt there where I think at least Oklahoma City like they're they're <sighs> it's stronger in Houston than it is in Oklahoma yeah. City. I think yeah. so. I'll put, I'll put Oklahoma City there, but I think the Spurs are right, right on. <laughs> I, I and I don't disagree with that. I think the Spurs had 61 wins last year. They've they've been great every single year under Pop. I don't think you can take that away from them. They have to be for me. They have to be the number four team, and I do think they have an argument for the number three team because you can't you can't say they aren't until they they don't do it, which they do it every year. I think that's what the first month is really going to show us. It's going to show us. Who out of those Western teams is the team that's ready to take that next step to be the second best team in the West? Because it's, you know, I think the time has come where it's wide open, where it's not necessarily just going to be San Antonio. So I think I think we'll learn a lot about Oklahoma City and Houston early on. Um, and come playoff time, it could be very interesting. But are we ready to go Golden State, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Houston? Yeah, for me, that that's definitely, that's it for me. Okay. And then I think I think you could make an argument for for maybe uh, Boston instead of Houston. I I don't agree with it, but I could see that argument, and I would listen to that argument. But I think that's it for me. All right. Well, I will keep. We'll be keeping tabs on this episode to episode. Um, it'll certainly be easier from here on out because we'll have rankings to go on. Um, who's going to drop? Who's going to come in? Um, but I think that's kind of an interesting little segment to try. Um, that being said. We are getting towards the end of our episode here on the Mostly NBA podcast, and that word mostly is about to come into play. Guys, is there anything, what what's going on right now that captures your attention the most? I mean, we can look at college football, you can look at the MLB playoffs. There's a lot going on in sports because NBA hasn't really taken center stage yet. So what's the topic that is forefront in your mind, Matt? Something personally that's been on my mind over the past few weeks, um, and we're going to swing over to the college football rankings right now. Um, is the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, I've gotten the opportunity at my station in Jacksonville to do a lot of them. It will basically cover most of their games so far this year. And let me tell you what, that team 
is is the real deal. Now, I've been a Georgia non-believer, I guess you could say. I, I've never bought into the hype the last few years. We always overhype them and think, you know, they're going to show out. But um, this defense is legit. Nick Chubb and Tony Michelle are tearing it up in the backfield. And you have a true freshman quarterback in Jake Fromm that has stepped in and played like he's a junior or senior. So um, the Georgia Bulldogs will be a force to be reckoned with. I'm not willing to say they're going to beat Alabama, but with that defense and the running game they have, it would certainly be close. So right now, to me, um, I'm extremely impressed with what Georgia and Kirby Smart has done so far this season. And at the time of this recording, our Florida Gators are um, set to meet the Georgia Bulldogs in Jacksonville in two weeks. Uh, Both teams, I, I believe they're coming off a bye as well, right? Yes. So that'll be interesting. A number three team in the nation. I did not expect Georgia no one did. To, to rise no like one this, did. this quickly um especially after the last several years uh it was it was kind of slow uh for a bit there but um I mean th- I, there's not much you can say that hasn't already been said and that hasn't been apparent the defense is nasty uh Fromm has been incredible with that backfield and which actually it's, it's very interesting what's going to happen to Jake Eason I think um, yeah, I'm like, I don't know how that's. I especially honestly don't know now. How oh yeah, you got Justin Fields coming exactly. in now. When Fields just committed, it's like, okay, what happens there? What do they've you got do? a mess yeah. now. It's a great problem to have, <laughs> but I, I just think they're they're an interesting program because they kind of, you know, caught people by surprise a little yeah. earlier than people expected to be. So, Aiden, what's on your mind? I don't really have a whole lot to talk about on the subject. No, it doesn't have to be on that subject. All I mean, right, uh, outside sports. Outside, outside of the NBA. Right. Uh, I think one really interesting thing to watch is Ezekiel Elliott's case. And, okay. And to see how that's going to unfold. Because there's there's a little bit... Uh, it, it, the suspension got reinstated, so he's expected... I was going to say, there's been a lot of back and forth. Yeah, so the suspension got reinstated, so it was expected that after the bye, he would start his six-game suspension. But there's there's really a lot of back and forth on, the, on both sides of the NFLPA and the NFL kind of just... They're going through different reporters' channels to kind of get out their message of the NFL saying this suspension is upheld, he's going to be suspended, but the NFLPA is is trying to file for more injunctions to to get it pushed back to to really fight this thing even more. So I think that that's going to be a really interesting story to watch, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Dak Prescott plays without a dominant running back in Ezekiel Elliott because he's never had to do that before. The Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott has been carrying the Cowboys, not Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's job for the past 20 or so games has been don't mess up. Like, just drive us down the field. Yeah, do some special things every once in a while, but just don't turn the ball over. And he's done, I mean, not to take anything away from him, he's done a phenomenal job at that. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if if he's still the same quarterback without a top five running back behind him. reached the end of episode one of season two um it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting semester i think for the podcast itself um as well as an exciting start to the nba season and with that we're gonna end with our favorite thing and that is hot takes so basically if you've never heard the show before hot takes is as what it sounds uh we bring up things that uh people are you know we're, we're trying to get a rise out of people with these and uh we disclaimer we don't know anybody else's like each other's hot takes like uh these are live reactions that you're about to hear so with that matt i cannot wait to hear your hot take 
I wouldn't say it's necessarily the flamiest of hot takes, but it is something that you haven't really heard anyone talk about. I'm going to say that Kyrie Irving is your 2018 NBA MVP. Oh, Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) No. Mark it down right now. Hot take. I just just typed it in. I typed it in. It is down on paper. Matt's hot take. How, how, I, I understand that these are hot takes, but how likely do you think that is? Oh, I don't think it's very likely. No, okay. that's why. That's why it's a very hot take. All right, but all right. yeah, exactly. You said it wasn't the flamiest. Well, I, I mean, it's because it's not. It's not. I don't think it's the flame in the sense that it's not unrealistic. I, I personally think he has no chance of doing that. I don't think. I. I. I think people are discredit. Like it goes over people's heads. I don't think Boston's going to be good at defensively at all, and I think they're going to struggle. And I don't think they're going to be a good enough team for him to even be an MVP consideration. I That's think- fair, but then Oklahoma City was not a great team, and you have Russell Westbrook just doing crazy yeah, things. Because he averaged a triple. Well, double. sure, but his numbers <laughs> weren't that good, though. Yeah. But still, it's if Kyrie can put up numbers, he has a shot at it. Is yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, when we saw that credit to last year, Russell Westbrook, sure, triple double. But we had this conversation last year, Mike. I mean, triple double. So what? It doesn't matter if you know. But I mean, Kyrie. Kyrie doesn't, doesn't even get assists. I was going to say. He doesn't even get Honestly, Kyrie, the problem. He's more efficient, if though. If Kyrie Irving was 6'6", people would just look at him like they view Kobe. He's naturally a ball hog. The only difference is that he's six feet tall, so people think he's a point guard. If he was, he, he's he's a shooting guard at heart. He's not a facilitator. So, I mean, for me, I Does feel, he have to be, though, to be the MVP? Uh, his only way to be MVP is him scoring 28 points a game. And you don't the, see that? And the, Celtic, and the Celtics having 55-plus wins. I don't think he's even the MVP if that happens. Because now, scoring 28 points a game, so what? you got to score 30 a game and have a triple-double most games. I mean, I think – no, and I don't think that's going to happen either. I think – I'm sorry, Matt. I think he struggles this year. And I love Kyrie Irving. I'm, I'm not even – like. I'm so grateful to Kyrie Irving. He's he's been a little rude, I feel like, in his departure. He said some of the wrong things sometimes. So I don't really care. It's not a big deal to me. I'm not sad about his departure. I'm I'm happy for everything he gave Cleveland. And unbiased, I do think he struggles in Boston because I think people also are overlooking how important being on the floor with LeBron was for Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie couldn't lead the Cavs for four years to even an eight seed. The best he did was 33 wins. And, so. and in the NBA, when it's really driven by one like a team can absolutely be driven by one player he should have at least gotten i get that now he's older he's more mature and he's he's gotten more experience and he's a better player now than he was then he 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 should have gotten more than 33 wins with that team i'm sorry to no, oh, no, I mean, no one is winning on that. Pray. I'm just saying, though, looking at last year, Russell Westbrook's not the freaking MVP of the league just because he puts up flashy crap. No, Absolutely. it's not. James Harden should have won the MVP. If no. The Thank double, you. So you're giving it strictly to trip like that. No. You're no, no, falling no, 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 into no. the category of no. triple-double. He is, didn't do squat. This is what the I'm Thunder saying. didn't do this squat. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> LeBron... LeBron should have been the MVP. LeBron should have been the MVP nine years in a row. There for, it is. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, but there it is. but okay, but if if we're going to overlook LeBron like voters just want to do for the last couple of years, because you have to. Yeah, Russell Westbrook should have been the MVP for two reasons. One, that team without Russell Westbrook might not even have ten wins last year. Might not even have ten wins. That's it's a possibility they don't even have ten wins last year without Russell Westbrook. So he added thirty wins to that team, in my opinion. And then also the dude averaged a triple double. Not only did he average a triple, if he just went like 15, 10, and ten, that would have been impressive. He averaged. 
30, 10, and 10. Once again, that's just when you shoot the ball a thousand times and you're going up and crashing the boards every time. It's like it's not what you want out of your point guard. He added added his type his style of play at that point guard position. He added twenty five to thirty wins to that team. Well, sure, but in general, though, if if we're going to talk about flashiness and that's what the voters want nowadays, who's to say that a guy that's going to put up a lot of points if he does, Kyrie? I don't think he's going to put up a lot of points. Like who's going to then who's going to put up the points? Gordon Hayward's a twenty plus point scorer. Gordon is not going to be the main go to guy though. Just, uh, Gordon Hayward's a twenty-plus point scorer a game. Still, though, I, I'm just saying. All right, I know, I, I, that's I, why I it's get, a hot I take. I get it's a hot take, but I'm just we like, can share. We'll shred everyone else's hot takes. Then, dang it, that's the point. Of yeah, this that's crap. the point. I, no, yeah, I mean, exactly. We're hating on you you're, hard. You're gonna I'm bring a, up. You're gonna. You guys are about to hate oh, on me. You're hard gonna for be my heart, hot embarrassed take. and things to bring up yours, and then we're just gonna crush your dreams. The thing I'll say about about that debate. The whole Westbrook versus Harden, you know, oh, Westbrook wasn't efficient. The reason he had a bunch of rebounds is because he was throwing up every shot. And I don't know. Like, Matt and I pretty much agreed, and I think you'll agree on this too, Aiden. Houston was a, obviously just a better oh, team no than Oklahoma doubt. City last year. <laughs> I'm not so I think, I, think, I think Westbrook had the opportunity to help Oklahoma City and a team like that much more because, like you said, you take them off that team, they're not good at yeah. all. I mean, but does that mean those stats were there because? they had the room to be i think it's i think it's tough it's it's kind of impossible to know and you can make the same argument with james harden also the rockets team would not be they wouldn't be a playoff team without james harden either so i think honestly though i I think realistically lebron should have been the mvp and should always be the mvp and after that Kawhi leonard should have been mvp last year that was my pick he's (laughs) he the the spurs had 61 wins last year he's the best two-way player in the nba and he's their best player. Like you can't give it to anyone on the Warriors because they have three top ten players in the NBA and four top fifteen players in the NBA. But it makes it better that they're all on that team because it would it would be a lot more interesting if they were all on different teams because those guys are all yeah exactly crazy. So you can't give it to anyone on the Warriors. But I I I feel like Kawhi got Kawhi should have been MVP. It could, if people are going to overlook LeBron like they always do, Kawhi should have been MVP last year. Okay. Interesting. We're, we're we're getting the <laughs> we're getting the thoughts flowing. It is All certainly right. heating up in here. All right, are we are session. we on to my hot take? We're on to your I'm, hot take. I'm about to get trash. This place is about to explode. Let me turn on the mics. <laughs> I am about to wait. Were the mics not on? Oh no no! I said turn down the mics because oh, okay, they were great. on fire. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm about to get trashed, but I think OKC comes out of the West this year, and they dethrone the Warriors. I just have no comment. (laughs) I want to listen to that silence for a second. I mean, I can explain my reasoning, or you guys can trash me first. Let's trash him. All right. right. Trash me, and then I'll explain my reasoning, and then trash me again. I just can. After what I witnessed, 16-1, and there's no possible, like, logical, evidence-based reason I could choose anything other than the Golden State Warriors. That just, I can't, I can't put an argument together based on what i saw with my own eyes last year i can't possibly put anything together that says they're going to be dethroned i can i explain my reasoning yes all right so i think last year the warriors weren't uh, i i think the spurs series really would have been a seven game series if Kawhi doesn't go down they weren't untouchable against the spurs and then the, going back the year before that, I mean, yeah, obviously the Thunder had Kevin Durant. Now Kevin Durant's on the Warriors. 
but they've been in tough series before and like they've been pushed when people didn't think they would have been pushed and then the Cavs beat the Warriors team that year now obviously they have Kevin Durant but I think OKC added something in Paul George that I think is going to I think it's what Houston lacks is a wing defender that can match up against Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's the best player on that team. He's better than Steph Curry, in my opinion. So I think the the Thunder can match up with them defensively. Russell Westbrook can manhandle Steph Curry because he's bigger than him. Andre Roberson can guard Klay Thompson. Paul And Paul George can guard Kevin Durant. They have the defenders to slow down their three best offensive players. And then obviously Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook can all score the basketball at a high level. I don't think it's out of the question that they could give the Warriors a run for their money. They can match up with them defensively if they can learn to play defense together. And offensively, they they have the firepower to outscore them on any given night. I'm not saying it's gonna like I, I think I, I think this team also, like I said earlier, has the potential to be a seven or eight seed and just be a total disaster. But I, I think they match up they on paper, they match up better than oh, anyone in the West does. I agree does. with that, yeah. And, and I think uh, I think Carmelo being the third best player on a team, if he's willing to be humble, that could be great for him, just like it was on USA Basketball, and I think they match up great. There's a big difference between Oklahoma City and Golden State, and it's the difference is Draymond Green. I don't think they match up very well I, because of him. He is – he is this – is, this is a hot take, but it's not my hot take – he could be an MVP. He's an MVP caliber player just no. because of the mismatches no. that he creates. No. Look what he does for so his team. Overrated. Look, no, he, so I, overrated. No. I don't I like, hate Draymond Green. I don't like Green. the guy whatsoever. No, the reason why Draymond Green is overrated, he is great on that team because he's the fourth best player on that team. If, but it's not that. It's what he does I get for that. the I get other that. three. I, I get that. But I think Carmelo can ma- – anyone can guard Draymond Green defensively, right? But – Say, it's less about it with it's, and it's, Steve, it's when the Steven ball's Adams, not in his Steven hands. Adams has competed well with Draymond Green Except for in when their he's getting finals. kicked in the crotch. <laughs> yeah, but I mean Steven Adams has competed well with Draymond Green when they've played against each other. You know, I think a team a lineup of Westbrook, Roberson, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony and Steven Adams, they're big but athletic at the same time. I think I I really think they can match up with them. I think with it. You just put Carmelo Anthony on Andre Iguodala, and that, that limits Anthony's liability defensively because Andre Iguodala isn't anything special on offense anymore. You you take away your biggest liability on offense on defense when you put Anthony on him. I, I, I see it. But then does Anthony do anything on the other side of the floor, though? He's still going to score. Easily he's going to score. Well, the thing he's, that- the, he's their third option. You're telling me... So is he going to score? He doesn't have the ball in his who's, hands. He's their gonna, third who's option. Gonna, uh, he did, he's done it in USA Basketball before. He's done it before. I feel like USA Basketball is so That's different just, than, it's than a, a, a He's team. done it before. I think he, I, well, I'm telling you, Anthony will be humble this year. And who's going to guard him on OKC? Can anyone. Steph Curry, Steph Curry can't guard Russell Westbrook. Kevin Durant can guard Paul George. And Draymond Green can guard Carmelo Anthony. So there's going to be a mismatch, though. But there's going to be a mismatch on the other side. I think bigger. I, I don't is what think I'm there is. Paul George can guard KD. I, no one can. No. no one can. No one can stop KD. That's not what I'm saying. But Paul George is one of the three best players in the NBA to go against KD defensively. Andre Roberson is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He can guard Klay Thompson 
or he can guard he's Steph. A, he's a legitimate defender. Or or he can guard Steph and then and Westbrook can guard Clay Thompson. That that I'm not saying they're gonna stop Golden State offensively, but that at least slows down Golden State's offense to a degree defensively if they all put in the effort on defense, which I don't think they will season long, but in a seven-game series, I think they will. Here's here, That's exactly the point that I was about to bring up is where I disagree with you. I think this is a great argument for one game. Yeah. Seven-game series, I think Oklahoma City might win one game. I think there's a the difference is the questions surrounding Oklahoma City are so not questions surrounding Golden State because they're so experienced together now, and you know exactly what they are. Oklahoma City, everyone's still asking – you know how many shots is Carmelo Anthony even gonna get? These three three guys have never even played together. So yeah, and and I, I think that's like, and that's why they could be a seven seed. Actually, that's my hot take. It's not really hot anymore. My hot take was gonna be that I I don't think I think Oklahoma City is very average. I think they've got really? some great players, but Carmelo Anthony doesn't make any sense to me when you just got Paul George. That actually, that almost, it doesn't negate it, but I think it takes away from it a little bit because it's like, what do you do with him? Because you're, you're talking about all these other guys they have on the floor. When you have those three guys, I, I think essentially Paul George is a better defensive version of a, and a younger Carmelo Anthony. He's a guy that he needs to have the ball in his hands, I feel like, to be effective on the uh, offensive side of the ball. Like, So what does Anthony do when he, you know, Westbrook and George are already, you know, need the ball in their hands. So, and the off chance that's not in their hands, it's in Anthony's hands, and all that other time, the other 80%, what's he going to do? I, I think it's pretty, I, I don't think it's that big of a question. I mean, look at what the Cavs have done with Kevin Love, who is their third best player, and he was used to getting the ball all the time. And look at what the Heat did with Chris Bosh. When he was with Toronto, he got the ball all the time. Carmelo Anthony, I get those guys were traditional power fours, but Carmelo Anthony can't play the four, and he's a better shooter than those guys. He's going to get the same exact looks and shoot at a much higher percentage, and he still has the ability to create on their own, which those guys kind of lost once they became the third guy. I don't think Melo's going to lose that, and he's a better shooter. And he may not lose that, And but what I wonder is, does it take away from that team that those three guys, when they create, they create on their own? I, I, th- I think that's going to be the question that defines their season. I mean, it, it worked out in with the Warriors. I mean, I it, it was questionable if it would work between Durant and Steph and it worked out. Granted, I think Steve Kerr's a better coach say, than Billy Donovan coaches. is. I think that's where I think it could get tricky is I don't know, this is going to be a huge test for Billy Donovan. Huge test. So in the in this take of yours, is it a 7-game series? Yeah, I think I think the Warriors I, sorry, I think OKC would win in 7 games. They're not going to win if So win. you have them winning at Golden State too in game 7. Cavs did it. I hit a soft spot with you. Cavs did it. <laughs> oh man, to compare this Oklahoma City team to that Cavs team is that's interesting. Okay. I mean, I think okay. Russ. I, I, I'm just saying. I think. I'm not saying. I think realistically. I'm not saying it's for sure. This is a hot take. Right, I'm not, exactly. I'm not no, exactly. No, it. I. We. That's the yeah. whole point. We're gonna give you everything we have, and then be like, "Well, no, I know it's." A- <laughs> but uh, I think. I mean, Matt, you agree with me. They have the best chance. Oh, like, like I said, now this may not seem like it from what we've just argued, but I really, really do like this Thunder team a lot. And I, like you said, we talked about this earlier. They have the highest ceiling and the highest potential to pose the biggest threat to them out West. Absolutely. I, th- I think they also have the lowest f- floor of the four Western Conference teams that we talked about. Oh, I would the say Spurs- Houston for sure has the lowest floor. I, I mean, the, the Houston was better. 
Houston was better than OKC was last year. So I think, uh, I I mean, I think it's close. It's okay. It's close. But I mean, the Spurs, the Spurs, we know what the Spurs are. They're going to be a 55 to 60 win team. And I think that's, I think really it's just going to come down to what OKC and the Rockets work out and, and how, how those teams connect. Well, we hope we've given you guys a lot to think about. An eventful episode two uh, is ready to come to a close. Uh, we've been, you know, this was really exciting. I'm so excited for the NBA to kick back into full swing, I guess. I mean, it seems it seems like it's been a long offseason, but we're glad you're here with us. Um, we hope to reach more people than we ever have this year. We hope that uh, we can get in here every two weeks, um, you know, give you all our hot takes, give you all our thoughts. Uh, this debate has been really awesome on this side of it. So, uh For Matt and Aiden, I'm Michael Higgins. Uh, This has been the Mostly NBA Podcast. We'll see you next time.